Welcome to Mindfully Integrative Podcast with your host, Dr. Damaris G. Mindfully Integrative is a podcast discussing ways toward mindfully incorporating integrative health into our lives. This podcast will have informative resources, fun topics, interviews, and discussions relatable for today with a true mindful perspective in a mind-body holistic life approach. Hello. This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and thank you again for joining in on the Mindfully Integrative podcast. And I just wanted to let you know of our upcoming events and things. So if you want to know and reach out, our resources and our membership is opening soon. So check out mindfullyintegrative.com for more fun and more info. Thanks so much and talk with you soon. Hi, how are you? This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and this is the Mindfully Integrative Show. And today we have an amazing mindful chat with Dr. Andrew Neville. He is a naturopathic doctor, an expert, and 20 years devoting to his patients and also the adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue syndrome. So I really can't wait for you guys to chat with him and on his perspective and how he's helped heal and give his patients what they need and maybe help one of you that is listening. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So thanks for being on the show. And I always kind of say a little fun facts. Somebody may not know about you. Fun fact. So I, uh, I have a thing for rhinoceri, rhinos. My rhinoceri. favorite. I don't even know. My There's favorite. Like, what do you mean? What kind of thing? What does that my mean? My favorite animal is a rhinoceros. And I, I read a book. Uh, this is decades ago um, about uh, rhinoceros, and, and the symbolism in it is what I liked. Right? Rhinoceros. Okay. Are, rhinos are pretty docile most of the time. Uh, kind of stay to themselves for the for the most part. But they've got this kind of two inch thick skin. Right? You ever see like yeah, yeah. birds standing up like? And as a naturopathic doctor treating adrenal fatigue, which is a condition that's kind of questioned in conventional medicine, you kind of need that two-inch thick skin, actually. Um, and they're pretty just kind of stated themselves, but they've got this horn uh, just in case uh, somebody gets in their way. So I've got rhinos here and there, actually, uh, in and around uh, around my office. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm a, I like elephants. Those are mine. Elephants and turtles. Those are mine. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. No, great symbol of elephants as, as well. Yeah. Yeah, those are my top two, usually. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. So what um I know so one, you're a naturopathic doctor. So mm-hmm. those that haven't been listening to my show, what is a naturopathic doctor? Most people should know by now, because I've had a few of you guys on. <laughs> you're yeah. doctors. So um, but and where and your specialty is, and then explain what your specialty is. Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. So naturopathic doctors, um, there are naturopathic medical schools, right, which is specific where um, it's a four year degree, very similar to conventional doctors, um, where we learn all the didactic stuff, the science um, and your, your uh, you know, pharmacology, biology, all those basic things. Um, and then you go beyond that and into clinical practice. Um, as well. So it's a four-year degree. We're trained. Uh, I went to school out in Washington at Bestier University, where we are trained and licensed as basically like GPs, um, you know, prescriptive rights and things like that. I practice in Pennsylvania, so I practice um, a little differently um, out here than I would, but mm-hmm. we're, I, I kind of see us as a bit of a bridge between um, kind of more alternative medicines, right? And conventional yep. medicine over here. We kind of- You're my integrative bridge. Kind of know a bunch of, a bunch I would of say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I work a lot with um, NDs um, recently more. And yeah, definitely integrated bridge because it needs, we need to have that conversation more instead of like a, a com- competition. It's like there's no. Oh, indeed. You know, I'm the NP, but you know, um, I've noticed in my field, I've had to really bridge a lot. I'm like, no, no, there's more out there. There's more info. So, yeah, that's no, why I started absolutely- the podcast out, out of passion, trying to integrate as much as possible. Yeah, it, it all has its place for sure, right? And uh, it, the one thing that drew me to naturopathic philosophy, because I didn't grow up, you know, hugging trees or anything, you know, I grew up kind of with a pretty, pretty standard upbringing, um, you know, kind of mired in the, the you know, one drug for one disease kind of a model, right? And, um, you know, it was when I started having problems with, with what turned out to be adrenal fatigue, um, where I, I was looking for answers, right? And I, I can be pretty persistent in trying to find answers. And um, that drew me towards uh, kind of away from conventional medicine and towards uh, more alternative medicine, whether it's chiropractic. And um, it was a chiropractor actually who, who mentioned uh, naturopathic medicine, which I had never heard of before. And once I looked at the philosophy of naturopathic medicine, which is about, you know, finding and treating the cause, um, you know, utilizing the healing power of nature um, you know, reestablishing kind of the basis for for health, right? Not just kind of the treatment of disease, but for health. Um, once I learned about that philosophy, I mean, my my kind of path was chosen for me, and um, you know, so I ended up going to uh, going out to Washington to do my naturopathic medical training. It was out there actually that I I discovered uh, what was going on. I discovered my predecessor's book um, about adrenal fatigue. Okay. I had had some uh, I had had some symptoms that were problematic, and, and I had mixed results. And I had plenty of practitioners trying to treat, you know, whether it was my high blood pressure with meds, or my anxiety, or my gut problems, or my Epstein Barr that would reactivate, and, and people would chase after those things, which actually kind of continued in naturopathic medical school. Um, they were brilliant doctors um, and very good, but they were kind of dancing around. Um, kind of what I have learned to be the kind of the underlying cause, right? And once I found this this book, which was uh, changed, the original version of this is called The Adrenal Syndrome. And he wrote that book back in the 70s. He changed the name to Chronic Fatigue Unmasked 2000 and back in 2000, because adrenal fatigue, if you take that to the nth degree, it can turn into a diagnosable condition, right? Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Um, once I opened that book and read that book, I mean, he described kind of everything that had been going on for me. And it, it kind of put all these pieces of the puzzle together. Why the anxiety, why the Epstein ball, why the gut problems, why the food allergies, why, um, and my path was forever changed. Uh, mm. after. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine. And so from there, then it became working on your health and then now helping others. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, it was, uh, people asked me my story quite a bit my patients right they seem to like to know that i've suffered uh, alongside of them. <laughs> i know i you know they all want to know why we suffered we're like yes this is why we're helping you <laughs> that's exactly right that's exactly right um and they're like how long did it take you to heal right and i'm like well i was in med school when i figured out what was wrong with me i had my first mm-hmm. child around that same time like my fatigue my- on top of fatigue my my bucket of of tolerance for my bucket was full at the time right Right. So it took me some time, but I was able to, through the book and through talking to Dr. Posnecker and actually coming out and doing kind of preceptorships with him and learning things and his guidance, I was able to kind of stay afloat, right? And gradually work on healing. Um, ultimately, I did a 
a residency with him um, uh, for a year or two years before he passed away and then kind of took over um, his practice. And he had specialized in adrenal fatigue 30 years, for 30 years prior to me even coming here. And um, since then, I've been doing it for 20. Really, just kind of my life's work is, is this effort to help people understand what adrenal fatigue is and, and try to catch it as early as possible um, because it's really a, a, a truly deep kind of underlying cause of a lot of what I would consider even secondary or tertiary conditions um, mm. like my Epstein-Barr or um, even the anxiety I was having or the food allergies that I developed, the candy, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And so different they- triggers. Yeah, they're in flat, like made an inflammatory response to to this, or it could be multiple. It's always multiple, right? To me, I I see us as having um, we kind of have so so I'll I'll go this way. Yeah, let's talk about that. Adrenal fatigue is tough because it's very poorly understood out there. Um, Conventional medicine does not, they're not taught that it's a thing. Yeah, so I feel like on my functional medicine group, even their take on it, they come, they do address it, but the the overview is saying talking about how conventional approach be- doesn't believe in it. Correct. And I think like I think when you just say nothing, when you put a mask over something and say it doesn't exist, that that, that always kind of concerns me. So it's like, why is that? And and explain to us what adrenal fatigue is. Yeah, sure. It does exist, obviously. It does exist. Or no whatever you want to call it, yes, there is a stress response yeah. that is happening. And that's the problem, right? It's the you know, like come on, let's talk na- about that. The naming of it. Um, they're taught that if you don't have Addison's disease, that if your adrenals haven't completely failed, that you don't have an adrenal problem. That's pretty much it. Um, they, they will chase after and acknowledge the symptoms that we associate with adrenal fatigue, which I'll mention, you know, even if I think about that logically, if we look at the rest of the endocrine system, right, you're you're allowed to have a thyroid problem that's short of complete failure. Mm Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have a problem with your ovaries or testes short of complete failure, mm-hmm. not your adrenals. Like if your adrenals are functioning at but all, it doesn't make you go, you go, it's still a machine. Like, why is that all of a sudden just like a standoff? All right. It doesn't exist. Just like the appendix. Oh, it doesn't exist. Like I'm just putting out the appendix or the liver. All right. Something, the liver and the pancreas are, you know, why do we have all these? Ma- That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Talk about another day. <laughs> understood. understood. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Right. And it didn't make sense to me. Um, if we go away from conventional medicine, broaden our, our horizons a little bit, look towards integrative medicine, you'll find doctors that believe in it and test for it and even find it. But at times, it's like they've kind of just grabbed hold of a tail of something that's a little bigger than they mm-hmm. anticipate. Because the adrenals, if we think about it, um, the adrenals are definitely part of the problem because they're producing the cortisol and adrenaline, which I give a bad rap to all the time because of all the damage that causes, right? But it's life-saving. Like we wouldn't be fight here. Fight or flight or right. the needs. Right. Yeah. But the adrenals don't decide whether or not to release those hormones. Right. So somebody tells them what to do. So if there's an adrenal problem, there's got to be a problem with whoever yells at the adrenals. Right. So, you know, we have to look at the hypothalamus and pituitaries, but this gets us to the hormone side of the stress response system. There's this other side of the stress response system, which is all your nerves, basically your autonomic nervous system, right. Controlling all your organs, those systems work together. I tease them apart because treatment and symptoms can be a little varied, but neither of those divisions uh, of your stress response system actually call the shots, right? The limbic system just above that hypothalamus, right? That kind of deep 
central part of our lizard brain, like that's the CEO of your stress response, right? Constantly looking for um, and assessing our environment for danger, right? Whether that's external environment through senses, perception, internal environment through chemicals in the blood supply. And when it receives that information, it's got to react, right? Is this stimulus harmful, dangerous? Can this kill me? Do I got to jump this body into fight or flight, right? Hormones, nerves, or is it the opposite? Is it harmless, innocuous, and I can chill out in vacation mode and just let it pass, right? Well, what we know is that with a bit of a genetic predisposition and enough chronic stress over time of any kind, that limbic system gets trigger happy. It gets sensitized, right? So that minor stressors don't generate a minor response, right? You've got a minor stress, but it's now a major response. So this limbic system is kind of making mountains out of molehills. Now we're over-interpreting our environment as dangerous, and we start Mm. getting stuck physiologically in fight or flight. And to me, I this remember is, those days. Yeah, right. Days. <laughs> Sadly, I do. Unfortunately, patients, I wish patients, I wasn't one of your. I wasn't one of your patients, but I probably should have. Been. Yeah, and, and patients will say that they're like, well, "That's that's what I feel like. Like I'm always in fight or flight." I'm like, I know that's the problem, right? But the stress might not even be there anymore. It's mm-hmm. just the limbic system is wound really tight. Yeah. So, so the most accurate name, in my opinion, to call adrenal fatigue is actually not a very sexy name, but we would call it a stress response system dysfunction because it's all of that, right? But I mean, well, then you'd have to write a book on it. I know. Oh my gosh. I was just having this conversation both with my staff and um, a group of my patients where I do these group calls. They're like, Dr. Just no, put, I um, share this well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to write like a book right now. So I totally know. And then I'm trying to do a collaborative with all the guests. And, um, you know, uh, as we're chatting with this, Mm-hmm. You, know, you could do the book with the stories of all your patients and then your story. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> At some point. Perhaps on, it's right. there, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's in the works. Right. That's another combo. Yeah. Now, conventional medicine will look at the symptoms that come from being stuck in a stress response, right? Whether it's yeah. fatigue or pain or insomnia or weight. We do. Yeah. that's. I feel anxiety, like that's our go-to. Depression, all that stuff, right? And if which I'm not against symptomatic treatment, right? But like, so you go to your doctor and you've got um, sleep problems or anxiety. Well, you know, take this med for that and this. Med. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky enough to pick the right drug, I mean, you might cover up the symptom, but you haven't fixed the underlying problem, right? And this damage persists over time. Right. So using meds or herbs, right? I mean, whether either any supplement, anything, right. right? If you're just covering up the symptom, you're kind of like putting a little piece of tape over the check engine in your car, that check engine light, and, and obviously not fixing the problem. And it can get worse over time. Yeah. Now that's kind of confusing enough for a lot of us, right? But right. it's worse than that because when you're stuck in fight or flight, you're suppressing some pretty important stuff, right? Because um, you're going to activate the organs that'll save your life, right? Your heart, your lungs, your sugar metabolism, right? There's four major organs that we suppress uh, when we're in stress physiology. Immune, digestive, reproductive, thyroid. And we know that. That's conventional research, right? We know that. And it makes sense too, right? You, yeah, totally. You know, makes fight, sense. Fighting a tiger, you don't want to. Those aren't the priorities. Don't waste energy with inflammation or fighting a chronic infection, right? Don't, don't waste energy digesting, absorbing. Don't really want you to have a bowel movement right now. Like there's a tiger. 
Same thing with your ovarian hormones, right? We don't care about your periods or your sex life or don't really want you to procreate, right? There's this tiger. Well, we also know, which I didn't learn about in med school, it was kind of afterwards, was that excess cortisol goes to the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid hormone axis and suppresses it at every level it possibly can. Oh, and ever I didn't know that either. I knew that it, it, it definitely suppresses, but I didn't know it ever. Every before. level. It's wild the way that works. It even goes so far as to convince the thyroid to release an inactive form of thyroid hormone called reverse T3. Right, right, right. Right. Um, just in case it missed blunting the thyroid hormone anywhere else, let's release this inactive form of thyroid hormone, bind up all the receptors so it really doesn't work. So then now things work. Right. Right. So now, of course, you do that once in a while to save your life, right? Conserve energy here, deal with the threat, turn that stuff back on later, do it chronically. You're going to have all these immune problems, digestive problems, reproductive hormone problems, thyroid problems. But what's happening on a bigger scale is that you're suppressing the organs that we use for healing and repair. So we've got this kind of physiologic equation over the months and years and decades sometimes of excess wear and tear coupled with suppressed healing and repair. Not a great equation for good mm. health and vitality. Because that your body's just not able to heal. It won't. Even from a genetic standpoint, right? If we talk about the genetic, like your you, total genetic switch, epigenetic switch, right? When you're in fight or flight, you're geared up for survival. You don't care about healing or repairing bones or growing mm-hmm. hair. or to, Like all that stuff is shut off. So the the ultimate goal is we've got to shift this physiology, right? Turn off the wear and tear, turn on the healing and repair. So from a naturopathic standpoint, to me, you know, we talk about the healing power of nature, which is, which is good. We can use herbs and vitamins and things like that. That's nature. But to me, turning on this physiology, right? That rest and digest healing and repair state of physiology is initiating, you know, our body's own healing and repair mechanisms. And I mean, that's what heals people. Like I've I've got all kinds of vitamins I can give people and herbs and things, but Mm -hmm. supplements, I I tell patients that like supplements don't fix you, right? Supplements are, they're kind of aptly named, right? They're supplemental to a bunch of other stuff. Right. To me, to me, the supplements are like, uh, it's like we're going to repair a house, right? And you know, we got to deliver all the tools and equipment and lumber and get all that stuff to that job site, right? But if nobody tells the crew to show up, nothing happens, right? So that's all the supplements and herbs. To me, we got to tell the crew to show up. We got to turn on the genetic cellular machinery of healing. And that's when we can use all that other stuff that we need to be able to orchestrate healing. Um, I love it. I I love being able to shift what do that you think awful. has been the number or, or, or the, it obviously must've seen patterns. Mm-hmm. What are number one patterns or patterns that, that come up for you with these patients or for yourself? With regard to, to why, this, why, why they have, right. Why yeah, they have. Yeah, no, it's a good one. So again, it's that genetic predisposition and enough mm-hmm. stress over time to overwhelm the genetics. Um, in, in this, I view stress in that we all have just this one stress response system, right? The hormones, the nerves, the limbic system, and the brain. So I picture it like a bucket. Um, you know, we all have a certain size bucket genetically, right? Half from mom, half from dad. Some small, some big. I mean, you can overwhelm anybody's bucket if you throw enough at them. But the bucket wasn't designed for the stress we have today, right? It's designed for 
hardship, like old school stress. You know, give me a good old fashioned famine or a plague or a mm. like bucket fills up, jump into fight or flight to deal with it, hopefully. And if we live, the bucket drains, we shift out of fight or flight. So we turn off the wear and tear, turn on the healing and repair, live to fight another day. Most of us don't have stress like that these days, right? No. But we start filling up this bucket left and right. You know, all of it goes into so physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, diet and nutrition, toxins, accidents, surgeries, injuries, especially head injuries will predispose somebody. But even past trauma, abuse, jobs, relationships, divorces, death, politics, finances, social media, like it all goes into that same bucket. So everybody's bucket is a little different, right? But I picture, um, you know, there's, you know, heavy metals, right? Mercury would be in there or candida would be in that bucket, a layer in that bucket, Um, you know, but everything's in there. In addition to all that various stuff, people who develop adrenal fatigue tend to kind of be cut from the same cloth in that we're pretty good at filling up our bucket on our own, right? So we can be a little more caring, um, a little more sensitive, maybe. Um, we're doers, right? And because we care about what we do, we tend to do things well. And then uh, then people ask us to do things because we do things well. And then that feels good. And then we do more things. And now we become mm-hmm. a little Oh, but then your, your bucket keeps getting... You got it. We're filling up our bucket, right? So, story of our, story oh, of our lives. <laughs> indeed. Overachieving perfectionist type A. So we're, we're kind of good at filling up our bucket. Not that it's... So you're saying that some there's a lot of individuals that are in this category of chronic fatigue, adrenal to chronic mm-hmm. that have this, you know, these other ancillary things, but addition also have a similar behavior. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that, that's a whole other way of talking. It wasn't even going into the psychological behavioral part because I've even, so like um, just seeing like patients, right. That I'll, or clients that I'll see, you know, I'll have them kind of give me an idea. Like I'll try to find out their behavior, um, mm-hmm. or their learning style. And it's interesting that you say that specifically, or majority of the patients you're saying, or clients that you see mm-hmm. have a very similar pattern or similar personality. They do. The per- they personality do. or behavior, behavior. Every bit is behavior. It's behavior. behavior. A little bit, a little bit of personality too, but, yeah. um, yeah, behaviors. And that's interesting. Yeah. They might have served us uh, in the past, right? But it, yeah. they can get us. They can get us in trouble uh, in times, right? So, so part of what we have to do is, you know, pay at least a little bit of attention to that. Um, I was just having a, a conversation with some coaches that I'm training for this, and they um, we were talking about how uh, uh, people who develop adrenal fatigue had tend to be a little more sensitive than the average person. Mm. I would my, call that is it like empathic sensitive or just sensitive in general. In general, but including uh, including empathic, um, and I and I, there's this question, right? Well, is it is it that the adrenal fatigue causes the sensitivity, or are just sensitive people more prone to adrenal fatigue? And mm. my answer to that Ooh, is, oh, that's so interesting. Both are true. It's like a chicken and egg. Both thing. are true, yeah. Because when we know that with stress over time, um, when we keep hitting this limbic system with stress hormone. It becomes trigger happy. It becomes sensitized. And in the research, they call that central sensitization for the central nervous system, where now the limbic system is, you know, those minor stressors aren't generating a measured response. They're generating a heightened response. Well, that sensitization actually happens throughout the nervous system 
including even the sensory nerves. So by the time patients come into me and it's been long enough, a lot of them are, you know, they're like, I'm sensitive to these bright lights, doc, and loud sounds bother me and harsh chemicals and smells, even touch. You touch one of my patients and their limbic system registers it as pain, Mm. which to a large degree is fibromyalgia, right? Because I mean, what is fibromyalgia? Like it's a name, right? You know, four pounds of pressure and 11 out of 18 tender points. I don't know. That doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know about why on earth would that happen? Why can I just touch somebody and they feel pain? This sensitization is part of that. So we become sensitive on on so many levels uh, as a matter of I mean, of- it, it makes sense. The energetic like um, pathways are just like probably on fire. Absolutely. Absolutely. That You know, we just tend to over perceive everything, right? Which is tough because- I mean, and the limbic system's trying to protect us, right? From, you know, but it's not very evolved, right? It, it still thinks we're living in the plains of Africa, you know, being stalked by a lion, right? Where mm-hmm. if you were hypervigilant, like that would save your life. Like you want your pupils to dilate, your ears to be hyperacoustic. You know, the faster you detect the lion, the better your chance of survival. You know, we don't live that way anymore. We live in today's world, which is loud and toxic and fast-paced and obnoxious a lot of times, right? So we bombard this sensitized system, I mean, left and right. Um, So it's tough. Uh, It's tough. We've got to create some space in people's bucket. And, you know, we want to hit that. I mean, the the only way that I've figured out how to do this is, is kind of look at, try to determine what everybody's therapeutic puzzle looks like from this perspective. Because they all they're all different, right? We're all a little different. I mean, the physiology is the same, so there's some commonality. But figure out what that therapeutic puzzle looks like again, in the direction of fixing this underlying problem. Not necessarily chasing after symptoms, not even necessarily chasing after these uh, secondary or tertiary dysfunctions. Because it, 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 a lot of times, trying to fix these problems, right? The immune, the gut, the Met hormones, all that stuff, trying to fix those problems while your body is still purposely suppressing them. It's kind of like trying to push a car that has a parking brake still engaged, right? Like kind of release that, release that brake. And then those systems can turn on on their own, right? Let's turn on the vagus nerve, right? And then maybe the gut has a chance to work, right? Stuff like that. that I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense as how, how you're placing it. I mean, and from my work, from just this, I call it stress transformation. I didn't even think of where you're going with the other parts are not even coming on, you know? So mm-hmm. I, it's another avenue um, that mm-hmm. I'm even going to look in perspective because I mean, I just did it as a necessity to learn for my own. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think I even went to the right people to to teach me initially or to learn, you know, to, to get the right answers. So yeah, I think it's quite interesting. It's funny, and we were, you know, so we're talking about a, a book, right? Like, I, right. I need to be able to write this book because the the information and the research is all just, out there. Oh, so for, yeah, just video it. Like, uh, what's it called? I speak it on a, on a, and have someone transcribe it. <laughs> a computer transcribe it. You should do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm going to uh, get some tips from you on how to make this happen. <laughs> because the information is all there. It's just in so many disparate places. Like, you can. You know, you can talk about the, you know, to the neurologists or the psychiatrists, right? Or the neuroscientists or the cardiologists. I mean, the research on stress and digestive problems, cardiovascular problems, immune system problems, all that stuff. 
even the central sensitization, the dysautonomia, the the adrenals, like, you know, basically just the need is there, right, to tie this stuff together. And then, um, you know, what does that look like? So instead of instead of continuing to chase after all these symptoms, I mean, even even depression, right, which is like the number one reason for disability uh, these days. I mean, if you put a rat in a model of what they call chronic, unpredictable, mild stress, this comes model, they call it chronic, unpredictable, mild stress, that rat develops depression. Pretty sure that's not a psychological problem, right? There's when you hit the brain with a bunch of stress hormone, it's very predictable what happens, right? We see depression, anxiety, we see insomnia, we see brain fog. And we're, you know, and there's originally, you know, and then they're like, oh, that's a pill. And you're like, I, I mean, why are we not looking at the inflammatory response and the stress yeah. response that's coming out of that? It's like, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, that's why I'm like, I love meeting individuals like yourself and individuals that are talking about this different perspective because it, it needs to be like a normal conversation. Like, so mental health providers that are on or or those that are listening, like, yes, maybe you have severe X, Y, Z, but there there's most of the time there's something else that. Well, there can, there can be absolutely. And it's not that, it's not that we shouldn't treat you. We shouldn't have therapy and, and meds. Like some of that stuff is necessary. At, of course. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just thinking of them, uh, you know, As too, part, just right. too narrow minded, right? Like none of this stuff exists in a vacuum, right? Everything's connected. Um, it just takes, takes a lot of time basically to have these conversations with patients and to work on these things. And, you know, conventional medicine, unfortunately, isn't, they're not set up to be able to, to kind of provide that time. And that all goes into the psychiatric, kind of realm, right? Like, oh, that's therapy. Like I only get 10, 15 minutes with my patient. Like it's hard to have these conversations, unfortunately, stuck in that model. They're, they're stuck in a tough, it's a tough model for sure. Yeah. That's why I kind of changed my whole practice model. Yeah. I couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, I have to do something different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I didn't, like, I didn't grow up as a kid, even thinking I wanted to be a doctor, right? I just, I had problems and nobody could really find answers and I can, it can be a little persistence, right? That rhino maybe a little focused, right? And, you know, that takes me all the way to med school. I, it, conventional medicine had already kind of not really worked for me. Um, right. You know, they weren't kind of finding underlying problems. Like I had high blood pressure and I was 25 years old. You're like, like just take, yeah. take the blood pressure medication. I'm like, okay, but why do I have high blood pressure? I'm supposed to be in the prime of my life. I'm 25 years old, you know? Um, and like, no, just take the med. And I didn't really tolerate the meds. So it was kind of easy for me to kind of say, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure something else out. And, you know, naturopathic medicine just, uh, it just made sense. Cause I could get all that other, all that education that I needed. I mean, I need, you know, all my patients are medicated. So I need all that pharmacology. I need to know all that stuff to be able to handle that. Right. Um, but then learn how to, you know, how to heal people and, and how to really shift this physiology. So, um, yeah, I love Makes it. Sense. I'm passionate about it. That's great. I love yeah. it. I, I'm so glad for you to be on the show. Um, do you have, how can those uh, reach you at first? Do you have like one quick, uh, you've given so much knowledge today, but do you have another uh, one quick um, to uh, say you like to leave? Yeah. So over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, as far as my kind of evolution and thinking about this stuff, um, one of the things I'm most excited about is this concept of neuroplasticity. Right. And, you know, well, the research, it's phenomenal and so exciting to me, right, to be able to 
change the brain, to be able to rewire the brain, to be able to stimulate stem cells and nerve growth factors, whether that's with, um, and there's a variety of tools that can do that. Certainly there's um, supplements and herbs, but also relaxation exercise and meditation. But if I had to boil down all that neuroplasticity research that I've looked at in books and things, it kind of be boiled down to this one thing of being present, right? Being intensely present in each moment, right? This concept of mindfulness, which is so incredibly difficult. I actually just, I was driving. So my son, I had to bring him to work today and he was late, of course. And I, uh, I'm trying to teach him a lesson, so I'm not going to wake him up. So this now makes me late, right? So I'm right, 45 great, you're trying to get through the day and try to do your one. Yeah, exactly. This is the one thing I had to do. And now I've got this. So now it messes up my whole day. I'm driving back to the clinic in my Jeep. And I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking about. He screwed up my whole day. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, doc, focus, like get out of it. You're not fixing anything there. Just be present, right? You're, you're in your nice old Jeep that you like you're the tops down. The sun is, is beating on your head and just, just be right. Just be. So it's, it's these reminders that we all need, yeah, right? It's it's definitely. And then also yeah. his suffering is not your suffering. So just keep changing the pattern, right? You there have you to go. help like change that. his pattern. Right. That's so exactly that you know what I mean? It's like I had to forcefully learn being present because I wasn't present. Yeah. And I was to the point of probably rock bottom. So yeah. my my obsession with mindfulness is because of necessity. Yeah. Um. Now it's it's just the way I live, and that's why I talk about it every day. Yeah. As do uh, I. As do I. So I agree. Yeah, you do, right? So, so to me, now that's one of the biggest yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> and it just becomes something where it's like, okay, he has he doesn't know yet, so you got to teach him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but he may not listen right away. That's all. You know. Well, he's kids. a he's a teenager, <laughs> right? So uh, they kind of know everything at that point. But I I think I appreciate you saying that being present because you know and knowing that we can come back to it when you're not indeed because it, it's it's a it's an evolving thing it doesn't it just is. happen every day you know every it's, second. It's, it's a it's a hard thing right and i'm you know i've been doing this for a long time right but i still will catch myself it's oh better at it right but it's all uh, the time. it's work right it, it does take work it totally yeah. does yeah. it's a daily it's a it's a, a every day every day indeed. indeed it's a habit so it was such a pleasure having you on the show. And first, let's, I know I'm going to have in the show notes your information, but how can they reach you? DrAndrewNeville.com. Um, Dr. Um, you can reach out and and uh, talk to, I even have uh, uh, my care team, my my uh, consultants. Um, they offer kind of free calls to talk to people about some of this stuff um, to see if there's any, if a match. And But I've got tons of, I've got a YouTube channel and Instagram and like tons of videos about this stuff as well. So um yeah by all means uh reach out that's great and i thank you so much for being on the show thank you i, pre- I appreciate it it's a pleasure talking to you and thank you guys for listening in to the mindfully integrative show and make sure you find a mindful way each and every day thanks for listening to mindfully integrative with dr damaris g make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode if you enjoyed our show support us by leaving a mindful review on apple podcast or your favorite streaming site If you would like to be a guest of our show or interview, email us at info at DamarisMaria.com. If you want to learn more about the resources mentioned in the podcast, you can find those in the show notes. To connect mindfully with Dr. Damaris G, reach her at www.DamarisMaria.com or connect via social media links. We appreciate your time connecting here with us. 
May your strength and peace within bring you more balance every day. Namaste.